running for the touchdown. Jackpot, baby. Josh Jacobs. Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. Always exciting to play at home. We all want to play at home, and this is an unbelievable venue to play at. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. On a personal level for me, I, I just we, we can't wait to get to the game day, right? We can't wait to get on the grass. JT The Brick. Cars up underneath James. Going to fire quickly. Jackpot, baby. Touchdown, Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your host, JT The Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you. What a day. Is this one of the nicest days of the year? 74 degrees. Perfect. Why we live in Vegas. I mean, it is incredible how nice it is as I am in the studios today of Lotus Broadcasting with Bobby Machado running the show. And wow, did he put a show together today. What a show. Brent Musburger in five minutes. The Godfather, the voice of the Raiders, and so much more. Brent Musburger, Joe Theismann, former MVP of the Washington football team. Jay Schrader. Raider and Redskin quarterback back in the day, Washington football team. And Bill Williamson, who's been covering the Raiders as long as anybody from SB Nation. That's a hell of a show, and it hasn't even started yet. Hopefully I don't screw it up. We're brought to you by PTs. They fuel the monologue. Best happy hour in town. They win awards for it, 5 to 7, midnight to 2. Half-price drinks. Drive responsibly. You get half-price drinks. At a place where you can watch sports, and the staffs are great. The food's fantastic. If you're gaming, you'll have a great time. Everyone behind the bar, on the other side of the bar, are great people. They've been feeding my monologue for a while. We thank them for their support. They also own the Strat. So if you haven't been to the Strat lately, which my wife and I went to a week and a half ago, blown away when you walk in. Completely different new property. If you have not been to the former Stratosphere, which has been rebranded the Strat, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Get in there and look at it. It'll blow you away. Go up top to top of the world, spend some time there, and go to their PTs inside the Strat. Fantastic as we get ready to go. Raiders Washington football team, I told you yesterday, my level of anxiety and concern is an eight. It's an eight. So maybe it'll drop drop down on Friday when I go to the Pac-12 championship game, have a couple of Modellos. Maybe it'll come down to about a five. But I have a feeling when I'm sitting at the torch on Sunday for the pregame show, it might be about a nine because I think this is a dangerous game. A dangerous game. Because they've all been dangerous at Allegiant. And the slow starts and the penalties cannot happen in this one. This team is coming in highly motivated. And don't say every team's highly motivated. No, they're not as motivated as this team. Okay, I watched the game. I watched the post game. I played Jerron Rivera almost tearing down the locker room. This is a highly motivated football team coming in. And Washington has everything to gain. This is a playoff game for Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio. The Raiders must treat this as a playoff game. No better man to start the show than the legend, the voice of the Raiders, Brent Musburger. Brent, I know you had a great Thanksgiving on the road in Dallas. How have you been since? I've been great, uh, JT. Nice nice talking to you. You and Eric did a great great job on uh, Thanksgiving Day getting everybody Fired up, and, it, and indeed, it was one that uh, I think the victory actually saved the Raiders' season. I was so happy for 
for Derek Carr. He made one big play after another. Even that scramble for 22 yards brought me out of my seat, if you know what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. And, Brent, a lot of the – you know, you revolutionized the studio show. A lot of the guys in the studio back at CBS and NFL Network, they didn't give the Raiders a chance. They checked every Cowboy box. And I got to give Rich Passaccia and the coaches credit. They coached that game. It was sloppy with a lot of penalties both sides, but the Raiders executed in overtime perfectly to win the game. Yeah, they forced a three and out. I mean, that was very, very big. You know, a lot is made of numbers, JT. I'm a possession guy. I go and look very carefully after a game at the possessions and what's the end game. And if you go look at that, uh, the defense overall wasn't that bad. They got the ball back from the Cowboys a lot during that game, and, of course, they found the corner the left corner, and they were able to pick on him relentlessly. The one thing about the NFL, when they spot a witness upstairs in the box, they keep going at it. And so it was a great job of scouting that Cowboys secondary during the game because of all the pass interference calls. But I do, I do want to follow up on what you were saying about Washington. And I want to alert everybody that this Washington football team is better than people think they are, okay? Uh, Coach, Coach Rivera, after the four-game losing streak, they went into the bye, and he changed things around. He went back to Rivera football, and they had the ball for over 40 minutes against Seattle on Monday night. They kept Russell Wilson off the field. They will attempt to do that to the Raiders again. So our linebackers and Abram and the fellows on the corner better get ready because the the Washington football team is coming to run the football. Now, they do have, because they played on Monday, they are at a disadvantage, and I was just checking their injury list. I wanted to see who was missing from practice today. Their outstanding safety, Landon Collins, Mm -hmm. JT, did not go, nor did backup running back J.D. McKissick, and he has been listed as questionable. So for those who like to make a little wager here in Las Vegas on your favorite Raider team, keep an eye on those injuries. You know what I mean, my man? I got you, my man. Brent Musburger joins us. Uh, Brent, I want to jump into a bunch of topics. First, let's get this one out of the way about the Raiders and what you've seen this year with your great career, what happened with the John Gruden resignation and the Henry Ruggs fatality car accident that took the life of Tina Tintor. I don't think maybe you can answer this. I don't know of a football team in season that has remotely gone through anything like this in the history, 100-plus history of the NFL. How have you digested all this emotion on and off the field as you're covering this team? Uh, I totally agree with you. I don't think any team has gone through this. Obviously, John Gruden is a a very dear friend of mine, and and I spoke to him uh, the day after he stepped down. I, I had a nice talk with him on the telephone, and, of course, the team responded with a couple of wins, but then after the tragedy involving rugs, it kind of took their breath away, and it was so much. I, I don't think people realize uh, how emotionally draining things like that can be. Uh, and Derek Carr, Derek Carr had started to thrive under Coach Gruden, so I really thought that he missed him, and then his best deep threat is suddenly gone for the season. You have to remake so many things. Now, the youngsters and the coaches, and God bless Rich Bisacci, he's such a great guy, pull for him all the time. Uh, they said the right things, but I knew they were hurting. They had to be deep down, as so many people were uh, throughout this period. But they sort of stayed the course. And, and like I say, as far as I'm concerned, 
the Thanksgiving Day victory saved their season. Now, that doesn't mean I think they're automatically going to go to the playoffs. It's a tough stretch. It's a tough finishing stretch. And almost everybody in the AFC is a playoff contender. Uh, I think they've set a record for how many teams are 500 or over right now uh, coming into week, week 13. But it was, it was very draining even for me. Uh, I was a huge, huge Ruggs fan on the field. Uh, yeah, I remember his, his great game-winning catch against the Jets. Uh, I remember uh, how he went up and he high-pointed Howard of Miami, took the ball. Things like that, JT, it was hard on me. I, and, and even now, I miss him uh, dearly not being out there. And the other day, uh, one of the games, it wasn't a Dallas game. I think it was a previous game. I think there were 13 penalties uh, against the Raiders and like none against the Bengals until the fourth quarter. I can always say to myself, that would never have happened under Gruden because Gruden, he would have buried the side judge in front of him. If you know what I mean. Okay. So, so it was, it's something I missed dearly. I'm pulling for the guys going forward. I thought Deshaun Jackson, by the way, turned in maybe the biggest play of the year when he came down the sideline on that 56 yard touchdown uh, on the Raiders first series against the Cowboys. I thought that was, I thought that was that uplifting moment when Derek Carr and the offense said, wait a minute, this guy's still got some juice. Uh, Maybe we can get some mileage out of him. So it's, but but they've asked the Raiders to do a lot. Uh, I think ownership has handled this extremely well going forward. Uh, you would think that Mark Davis obviously is thinking about next year, but he says he's not. He's focused on this year, and that that is what he should say, and that is what he should stand behind and back Basachi and the, and the rest of the coaches. Brent Musburger joins us. And, Brent, should we make anything out of the 650,000 emails from the Washington football team that had a deep effect on Mark Davis's team with the Gruden resignation and what's happened? And John Gruden, and no one defends the emails and the contents of the emails, but the effect that it had on an organization in Vegas when it was all about the Washington football team and an investigation where everybody would like the league to be a little bit more transparent. I mean, we don't have anything to look at. Uh, there was a couple of congresswomen who that want to talk to Roger Goodell, maybe have him up on Capitol Hill. This is a major storyline, and John Gruden suing the league. Yeah, and I certainly understand uh, Gruden's feeling, and I understand Mark Davis's feeling about this too. That, uh, however, I, I do want to point out one thing that that. It makes this story kind of messy. And first of all, mm-hmm. as I told Coach, whoever took you out, John, that was a paid assassin. Okay, that that was one of the best hit jobs that I've been a, ever been around. Okay, they did they didn't go to their media goombas. They didn't leak this to Adam Schefter uh, or one of those guys who breaks stories. They first went to the Wall Street Journal, and when Gruden was still coaching after that, then they dumped the rest of it on the New York Times. That was a professional hit job, but I want to tell everybody that I'm not completely sure it was somebody in the NFL. There was a second lawsuit involved, okay, uh, between the owner, Snyder of Washington, and a former general manager. And that means that a lot of outside people had access to those emails that they were going through. So I think the hardest part for Gruden's lawyers to prove is that somebody from the National Football League actually leaked that. Because if it is somebody from the NFL, shame on them, okay? Mm -hmm. Because Mark Davis should have been told in the summer when he had something to do about it. Now, my ultimate second guess, and believe me, this came from 
James Lofton in a, in a conversation we had when he was in town broadcasting a game. I, hindsight's twenty twenty, But I wish, if, if we look at Ezekiel Elliott, he was suspended for six games, okay, uh, for sexual transgressions. I wish that Coach Gruden had been suspended uh, for four or five or six games. to tell, But again, I want to be perfectly clear about this. This is the ultimate second guess by me. I didn't think of it at the time. Um, I, I didn't think that John's career should be ruined by his stupidity. Uh, it had been so long ago. Uh, I just don't think we, we need to out people for that. Uh, but so be it. You know, uh, the Raiders have to pick up and go forward, and, and we will see what happens. Brent Mossberger joins us. So, Brent, let's move on to a couple other storylines. How's it been for you personally now to be broadcasting, you know, on the road again? You have so many friends. And I'm talking about not only broadcasters and coaches, but guys who are handling the cameras, people you worked at with throughout your career. What has it been like getting back on the road with your son, Scott Lincoln Kennedy? Because compared to what was happening at Allegiant Stadium at the beginning of COVID, how much have you enjoyed getting out on the road again? Uh, you know, I, I've loved every minute of it. Uh, obviously, working with Lincoln Kennedy has been a treat. Uh, he's such a great guy to, to be around. And, and when you go in and out in stadiums, I just get in behind him a couple of steps and let him <laughs> clear the way. Okay. So, and, I, and Scott, of course, is a good traveling buddy and like that. And got to see so many people from CBS work with Jim Nance. So many of those uh, cameramen were actually there at CBS back in the days of the uh, NFL today. I guess my favorite moment is we were Lincoln and I and Scott were waiting for the elevator after the Cowboy game and, and the fellow who was managing traffic there standing up and he came back and he said, Oh, he said, uh, you know, I remember you from oh back with Phyllis George and Jimmy, the Greek and Herb cross. I guess I can forgive you for wearing that Raider cap today. You know, so <laughs> it was kind of cute. He was so nice. And uh, overall, uh, the people have been great. I love the fans. I love to be around them. Uh, I love their input. That's the reason why this is a big business is because of, of the fans, not because of us. Uh, it's the people who call JT. It's the people who watch on Thursday. I mean, that was an enormous, an enormous audience. I've had people tell me it wasn't yeah. the best football game I ever saw, but it was one of the most entertaining. And I think that's great. That's what the NFL stands for is great entertainment. Brett Musburger joins us from your Decades in college football when you see Brian Kelly leave Notre Dame. I mean, Notre Dame to go to LSU. And then Lincoln Riley, as we talked, I have a son who's a junior at Oklahoma, and I watched Lincoln Riley coach at Oklahoma this year. And I go, wait, wait, Brent, the timeline doesn't match. He's coaching Bedlam. He's getting out coached by Gundy. He says it's midnight. He's, he's traveling back. And then the next day he's the USC head coach. And Kelly's texting his team after he leaves them. He's already down in Baton Rouge to come back for a meeting. How has this topic evolved in your career with coaches leaving players and now players get a chance to get in the portal and make decisions on their own too to leave? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, it has changed a lot since I was around it uh, every day, JT. There's no, there's no doubt about that. I have to tell you, I'm not completely surprised by Lincoln Riley, okay? I had heard gossip that he was unhappy with Oklahoma and Texas moving uh, to the SEC. And the reason why is recruiting, because that swings that door wide open uh, for the Alabamas of the world to barge into Texas, where Oklahoma uh, made its living uh, throughout the years. Because uh, you can now tell a youngster, hey, you're going to get to see your son play because we're going to be playing over here. Texas A&M, Texas, Oklahoma, they're now in the SEC. So I wasn't completely surprised. 
And Southern California is another of those recruiting hotbeds. And that system that Lincoln made work so well down at uh, Norman, Oklahoma, uh, it could work wonders in Southern California. USC can, can become a power elite within a couple of years under his leadership. Having said that, when I heard, and I heard it on television, that Brian Kelly was leaving, I almost fell off my couch. Uh, I, I was totally, totally shocked. I knew him very well mm-hmm. back in his Cincinnati days. NBC has the home contract with Notre Dame, so I wasn't around him as much over there. But Notre Dame was his dream job. Now, he's an Irish politician. Uh, he's a son of Irish politicians in the Boston area. And no one works a room. Well, Bill Clinton did, but no one works a room any better than Brian Kelly. A lot of Catholics down in Louisiana, he'll be fine. Mm-hmm. He, he will do well. But it shocked me completely that, that he would leave the fighting Irish. And he's got his hands full because, oh, by the way, you've got to play a dude by the name of Nick Saban <laughs> every year when you go to LSU. You know what I mean, J.D.? I know what you mean. <laughs> Wrapping it up with Brent Musburger. Brent, finally, when you got into the space of sports gaming with VEASAN and now the association with DraftKings and Circa and how big it exploded and your vision with a lot of other businessmen businessmen including family. Did you ever think this platform would explode so quickly now with legalization, the handle in New Jersey, the handle in Nevada, and as you know as a businessman, how the handle's going to increase all over the United States. And what are you seeing next, Rand? I think a lot of our listeners would like to know, what do you think is the next evolution of sports gaming, media, streaming, and how you see it going forward? Yeah, let me start with that one. Uh, the, ne- the next evolution will be something I have seen uh, in Europe and in Australia. And I didn't actually see it in stadiums, but I was in Asia enough to believe that they've got it, and that's kiosks inside the stadium. And I believe that Wrigley Field is going to open the first one in the United States that has access from the stadium itself to be able to bet during a game or before if you're going into a stadium. Because it has exploded so quickly, and I guess, I guess JT, I'm a little surprised at how quickly it exploded. I knew it was going to be big. Believe me, I, I knew that because I knew how many – illegal dollars were being wagered offshore Mm -hmm. and that's money that could have been taxed by the states and i knew how many people enjoyed coming to nevada and betting legally and then hanging out especially at watch parties for march madness and on sunday during the during the nfl season but the evolution will eventually take us to in-game wagering at the arenas okay that in Europe and uh, down in Australia and over in Asia, in-game is much bigger than what we call pre-flop uh, wagering on the games. And I can see here in the United States it's starting to grow because of the apps on the telephone. People can sit in their living room, enjoy a game, and, and make a wager as unfolding during timeouts. Of course, they'll, they'll give you an updated line and an updated uh, over-under number. Uh, I've always been a recreational better. I I would not be able to make a living, and I warn everybody, you be really, really careful. These guys who make these numbers, and they've got computers, and they know what they're doing, believe me. So, But if you want to have fun with it, I've always been in favor of it. I think it adds to the enjoyment of the game. I think it helped fuel the, uh, the National Football League. And, man, has it ever exploded. You put your finger on it, Jay-Z. Yeah, it's incredible what's happening here, Brent. 
again, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. The Raiders had a win. There are a lot of games left. It's an honor of mine to come on the broadcast before and after you, sit behind you in the fourth quarter in the booth at home, and still on this journey together. Let's have a big push to the postseason, and I really appreciate you coming on with us. Yeah, thanks a lot, JT. Love your work, my man. I'll listen to you on Sunday. Go into the game, and I'll see you at the stadium. You Take care, it. my man. Thank you, sir. There he is, Brent Musburger. Wow. I hope you enjoyed that. Deep dive with the Godfather on everything broadcasting. You know, the guy, the guy brings an A game to life. To life. As a broadcaster, you know, broadcasters often are critiqued. Joe Buck, Brent Musburger, Troy Aikman. What do you think of Collinsworth, Al Michaels? That is a Mount Rushmore all-time broadcaster. And the Raiders are fortunate enough to have him at this stage with Vegas and what he brings to the table and what he's done for me. Just incredible. To have a pint with him in London or to talk to him on the radio, it's a true honor. A man in his 80s who has his fastball can talk, can talk about gaming, the business side of it, and what he's done financially in a short-term window. Wow. I mean, this guy's special and part of the family here. And I'm just honored to know him. And, again, I think about it, my earliest memories. What are my earliest memories? I don't know. Do you remember your earliest memories? My earliest memories are my dad throwing a baseball to me or taking me to Yankee Stadium. But I know in my earliest memory banks, it's Brent Musburger, Earl, uh, Irv Cross, Philip George, and Jimmy the Greek on that desk for CBS. Or it was Brent Musburger in the locker room with Al Davis at a trophy presentation with the Lombardi. It was something huge. And then all the years that he called college football on ESPN, I'm sitting at home with a beer going, oh, my God, that's Brent Musburger calling a touchdown in a huge game. And now he's ours here in Vegas, and he's available. And I love the fact that we just had him on. Your reaction to Brent Musburger, 702-365-9200. And I appreciate him coming on. What a show we got lined up. Joe Theismann at the top of the hour, former MVP. Uh, Raiders beat him in Super Bowl 18. Joe's gone on to a brilliant broadcast career. Come on. Joe's career as a broadcaster is fantastic. Bill Williamson coming up here in a little bit. Great Raider insider. And then Jay Schrader, who's had a very interesting career. Al Davis wanted him because of his big arm from Washington to the Raiders. And he's one of the most engaged alumni that the Raiders call on to just be involved in the community here. So I'm looking forward to talking to him as we open up the show. So nice conversation with Brent Musburger, who's one of the best, best of all time when it comes to sports conversations. God, that's a podcast. Cut and paste that to a podcast, Bobby. Appreciate that. Brought to you by Doghouse Saloon Inside Resorts World. The elite property in all of Vegas, no debate, is Resorts World. And we're inside for Monday Night Football. How cool is that on Raider Nation Radio? There's the play action. Looking, can't find an open man. Now he's got somebody over, wide open down the middle. Complete. Twisting around is Hunter Renfro. He is down at the 15-yard line. A huge play as Renfro broke wide open on this. 
That's Brent Musburger who just joined us. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. We're open here until our next guest in about 15 minutes. If you want to get through Raider Nation, 702-365-9200 on the importance and the must win as Washington comes in five and six, and that is second in the NFC East, which is incredible to me. But we saw that last year when they made the playoffs and how that division last year was a train wreck. And they're just hanging around. That's a division where all you want to do is hang around. You can't hang around in the AFC West. Kansas City will lap you. They will lap you by four or five games if you hang around. But Washington, you get to six and six, they're already in the playoffs, and they'll they'll remain in the playoffs if they beat the Raiders. So the Raiders have to win this game at home for a number of reasons. Number one, they're the better team. They're better than Washington. They have a better quarterback. They have better players. No doubt about it. Period. And the Raiders have injuries, and they have injuries. Number two, it's a Raider home game. And again, why, why are the Raiders losing at home more so than on the road? You can debate. It has nothing to do with the crowd and a guy sitting in the third deck with a Bears jersey on or Raider fans sitting in my section standing up on third down. It has nothing to do with that. The Raiders have lost to great teams at home. Tom Brady, the Buffalo Bills, Patrick Mahomes. Home schedule's been tough. They've lost some games. But that's behind the Raiders now. They've played in that venue multiple times. They're comfortable in the home locker room. They know the sight lines. They know everything. Enough of this not playing great at home. You come out at home and you play faster than you do on the road. You come, you have your walkthrough at home, and you have those first scripted 10 plays, and you just script them differently. You get it? You script them differently. You script them by saying, we're not abandoning the run, but we're throwing more the rest of the season because it's the only bleeping chance we have to make the playoffs. Got it? We're not making the playoffs balance running attack with passing. Sorry if coaches were brought up with that theme dating back to Tom Landry and Joe Gibbs. It's out the door. With this team, it's out the door. Now, the good news is Josh Jacobs ran hard. Really hard in that game to the point where, you know, the problem with Josh is he gets tackled like four yards and he can't break that tackle and go 18 more. He just doesn't. I thought he would when he came to the Raiders. I thought he was going to have 180 yard games, 135 yard games, every game 105 yards. He doesn't. But he ran well in that game, especially at the goal line. He broke through holes. His shoulders were square. He looked bigger. He looked fit. And I like that. I made note of that, that Josh can run the ball. Maybe Josh Jacobs is going to play his best football these remaining six games or so, you know, in a playoff game. That's what, you, that's what you'll look at. Now to Derek. Big spot for Derek again. Derek is, is built, building up momentum with the Raider Nation again in the fan base. I was the guy, the last man in the building in the Modelo Lounge when they lost that game to Cincinnati. I had seven phone lines stacked on people that were just hammering Carr. And that's all it was, was people calling in, Carr, I'm done with them. Where's Mariota? I'm done. We got to make a change. And I'm like, calm down. Calm down. He's Derek Carr. You're better with Derek Carr. He's not the problem. So Derek goes in on Thanksgiving Day, largest television crowd since forever, regular season, and he plays really well and wins the game. So now all the house money All the chips are now on Derek's side. He's got the stack of chips playing blackjack. He's killing the house. He's got to hold on to those chips. He's got to win. Okay, He doesn't have to gain more chips. He's just got to win. 
for a casino analogy. Just hold on to your handle and your chips. Don't lose it and give it all back to the house. So Derek is going to have to play great. And he knows now getting points when his defense gets off the field, he's got to keep doing that. Absolutely. We have to be able to, when they stop them, you know, we got to be able to move it and get points. You know, and we always talk about it. Let's get points. We want touchdowns, but we always want to keep adding to the scoreboard, especially against that offense. You know, against this team, you, you know, we scored early, and we're like, yeah, we got to. We were up 14. It was six in the first quarter. It's like, that's not going to be enough, guys. We got we to gotta keep our uh, foot on the pedal. And obviously, it came all the way down to overtime you know, in their stadium. You hear what he said? We have to keep our foot on the pedal. Okay, I've got to keep our foot on the pedal. Well, do it. Don't tell us you're going to do it. Do it. Go four wide, no huddle, run up tempo, Derek, and do that because they played great with their backs up against the wall. They lose that game to Dallas after losing at Cincinnati. You say goodbye to the season. Now there's hope. I think for us to be able to battle through all that, we were up, our back was against a wall. You know, um, there, there's no doubt about that. You know, that, that's just a fact. Everyone can see that in the way that we fought today and for as long as it took to win. You know, we always say the fourth quarter or as long as it takes to win. Um, we had to do that today, and I'm very proud of our team. He should be. That was a great win. They could have lost that game dramatically. They were up eight most of the fourth quarter. Dallas tied it up. They're in their building. They're getting the opening kickoff in overtime. Bye-bye. That's a loss. That's a loss if Dak Prescott moves the chains six, seven yards at a time. Not, not, doesn't need a field goal. He gets a touchdown, and we're sitting here for how many? Ten days? I'm doing this show for 10 days, nine days, just talking to myself. Everyone's checked out. Everyone's back. Everyone's back now because the Raiders have a chance to go to seven and five. But as Card talked about, you got to come out at Allegiant or anywhere fast. They got to get off to a better start. Yeah, I think I think one thing I've tried to do this year, um, especially when Eleven was here, you know, was I, I was going to be so aggressive um, and. Uh, you know, it, it leads sometimes to you don't complete as many balls, you know, uh, on a percentage chart or whatever. But to me, I just, you know, I, Gruden used to tell me, don't ever take your arm out of the game, you know. So when we call these things, let's let's rip them, you know. And so today, you know, we felt I, I, we saw some things on film where hopefully we get some looks, hopefully we can get some one on ones down the field, and uh, we were able to find we were able to find some of those, you know, and have a you know an explosive day and. Um, you know, this defense, when you watch the film, though, they don't, they don't give many of those up. You know, so that's why I'm just so excited that our, we executed at such a high level. Because when you watch the film, they're, they're unbelievable. That is a fascinating soundbite to me. Because Derek mentioned Gruden and Ruggs. He didn't have to. It's him. He's speaking. He doesn't have to. He could avoid that. But no, he's, he's telling you. He's wearing his emotions on his sleeve. He's letting you know what's happening. Hey, the coach is gone. Number 11's gone. This is a reality. To the quarterback, he's got Greg Olson, who's now just him and Greg Olson and Johnny Moe, and they all work together really good, especially at practice. And he lost his big weapon, his one-on-one weapon, but fortunately, he got Deshaun Jackson, which was great because when you get Deshaun Jackson, that was a Christmas gift for Derek Carr because if they didn't get Deshaun Jackson and he went somewhere else, where would the Raiders be now? I don't think he had a ball last week, but when he's on the field, people are like the call. I, I'm I'm noting the calls they're making. You know how deep the safeties are. You know how how if they're playing a certain coverage where normally you could get a shot there, they play it a little bit different when he's out there. Same thing they were doing with Henry. You know, and uh, it's fun to get creative with ways to get him down the field and use his speed. 
Um, but that threat is always there, especially if you're, you know, you get the call as a defense guy and it's man, man-to-man coverage, and here, here comes number one, come trotting over to your side. You know, that's, that's hard to do. And, uh, you know, he, he, as we can see, I don't know how old he is, but he can still fly. And uh, it, sure is, it sure is fun to throw him the ball. Um, I'm, glad he, I'm glad he had a big day. I felt it was coming, you know, um, with some of the looks. But sometimes you have some really cool plays for some guys, but you don't get the coverage you want. You know, you got to check out of it and do other things. But he was able to get a couple looks today, and we're able to hit him, so it was good. All right, so I want to hear from you after we had Brett Musburger and we played Derek Carr sound on what's next for the Raiders in the evolution of this team and how they win games going forward. Okay, very simple. How do they win games going forward? I've told you, which is aggressive, abandon the run. Not abandon it completely, but try to get to a point where running is not an issue that you can count on anymore. You want to run with Drake and Jacobs. You hope to do that at times, but you can't count on it. You can count on Derek Carr. Do we all agree that you go with Derek Carr the rest of the way in an aggressive game plan? As I've been beating the drum for three weeks. I'm not a coach. I'm not a coach. I'm just a sports talk host. But I know what they do right. And I know what they do average. And what they do right is they're explosive on offense when they get aggressive. When they don't get aggressive and they check down and it's third and eight and they throw a three-yard dump pass, hoping to break a tackle, they're finished. They're done. I don't want to see that anymore. Third and eight, throw it nine yards. Third and 12, throw it 13 yards. Third and 18 for Derek Carr shouldn't feel like third and 50. Third and 50, punt. (laughs) All right, run it up the middle and punt. But when it's third and 12, you can't check down. Carr's too good. Carr can put a 50-50 ball to Waller, if available. Renfro, Deshaun Jackson, and get a flag. Get a flag. How many times have I preached that to you? Especially on game day. So what has to change really quickly is their aggression on third down. Because a lot of times, I think they don't give up on third down, but they're trying to do something safe. We are not in the safe season anymore. We are not, no, we're no longer in a safety zone. It's over. By losing to the Giants, by losing to the Bengals, by losing to the Bears, the Raiders put themselves in the situation, and they can go to 7-5 and five and be in a great situation. Are you telling me a two-game winning streak coming off Thanksgiving, beating the Cowboys and the Washington football team? That's pretty good. Again, we would have lined up and given away shirts at a remote. Who takes 7-5? and five? Everyone would be like, throw me a T-shirt, JT. I'll take 7-5. and five. You're right on the cusp of 7-5. and five. You're right there. All you need is a dominant performance against Washington, who I'm concerned about because of their level of intensity, how desperate they're playing. I told you this about the Niners against the Rams. Shanahan did a great job. I heard reports. I heard from reliable sources, Shanahan went into that pregame and made it the Super Bowl, and they won it, and now they're going to the playoffs. Okay, They were done done if they lost that game. They crushed the Rams. They treated it like the Super Bowl. Well, this is the type of speech, the type of game, the type of car, stand, car standing up before the game going, hey, here's what's at stake because they've proven that they don't start fast at home. So switch it up. Switch it up. Do something different. I don't know what you do. Change the locker rooms. Move the locker around. Do whatever you do. But come in there fired up to start quick. Aggressive throws. No huddle. Up tempo. 
get out of the huddle and give yourself the time to snap the ball at the 15-second to 10-second mark because every time you snap it under five, they pin their ears back and they're coming. we got to get rid of that. And that's just getting the play in and being comfortable with the play. The Giant game, the Giant game was the game where the Raiders, to me, said, we are not confident. We can't beat the Giants in the passing game. Really? You can't beat the Giants? And they checked down, and they didn't go up top, and they didn't even want to get in that barroom brawl. They didn't. Then they got in the barroom brawl with Dallas. They said, hey, you got a, you got a guy who leads the NFL with, what, seven or eight interceptions? We'll go right at him, and we'll go on the other side, and we'll get flags. They were aggressive. They dictated the pace of the game. Now do it against Washington. It's Washington. It's not Ray Lewis. It is not Brian Urlacher. You're not facing the greatest players of all time. They're a very good team, but they are not super elite. And you've got to get it going in this game. All right, Raider fans, I've talked for 45 minutes. Let's hear from some of you. It's not a podcast. Bill Williamson will join us next. I got my A game. I'm ready to go. This is a big game. It's one of the biggest games in Vegas. I've said this. It's one of the big, the next game is the biggest game in Vegas history. We can extend the month of December. We can take December 1st and bring it to December 17th, 18th, 19th with a win. Okay? That's the way I see it. How do you see it? 702-365-9200. Yeah, why why not, Bobby? Must win. Maybe that'll wake some fans up. Throw out that must win bait. Like we're we're fishing for sharks and tuna. Yeah, must win. Maybe 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 that'll wake some people up on a Wednesday. How's this show going to sound in March without Raider fans if we don't win this game? It is do or die. Let's act like it on the flagship. We're playing meaningful games, and um, you know it's something that um, we've gotten to do here a couple times. Uh, you know, and the one time we go to the playoffs, I break my leg and I don't even get to play, and uh, so that's that's disheartening. But you, it's that drive, man. It's that thing that that keeps staying in my heart, man. That uh, I just want to do it for this organization. You know what I mean? And so the fact that we're we're right there, not where we want to be, um, but we're right there with a chance and an opportunity against some. Really good football teams coming up. Um, some very capable football teams coming up. Uh, we know what's at stake. We know what we have to do. Uh, so hopefully we can, like I said, go on a run and get hot. JT, back with you. Brought to you by Remy Martin. Team up for excellence. I've heard Derek's speeches, all of them, since he's been here. He's locked in. He wants to finish December. He wants to be playoff bound. He led the Raiders to the playoffs. He was injured. He took them to the playoffs already. But he couldn't play. He wants to play in a playoff game desperately. As we welcome in Bill Williamson, longtime Raider insider, does a great job for SB Nation. And, Bill, uh, let's go back to Thanksgiving and how the Raiders won that game. That would have been a devastating loss that could have ended the season, and they found a way to put the Cowboys away in overtime. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that would have been a tough one, especially had they lost in overtime. Um yeah, you know, big difference between six and five and five and six in the record and in your head. You know, um, that would have been a tough long uh, holiday weekend. But now they come in there refreshed, and you know, it, it's so amazing that in these seventeen weeks that they 
it changes so week to week. You know, they're five and two and feeling great about themselves, and all of a sudden they're five and five and feeling miserable. And now six and five, and the feeling's closer to five and two than it was uh, five and five. But the reality is, it's week to week. It really is a one week playoff at a time. Mm-hmm. Really, since the Kansas City game, and it doesn't change. They have a lot of they have winnable games. They have a lot of tough games as well. And if they can't get it done at home this week, it, you kind of revert back to oh no. So this is another really big game. Yeah, Bill, I think the winnable games, and that's subjective to everyone listening. They get three games at home against Washington, the Chargers, and Denver. And I think Washington and Denver are teams they should beat. And the Chargers are a coin flip. Chargers beat them already. Chargers beat them here last year. So assuming for this conversation they win that game, why wouldn't I? That's nine wins. And then they need one win, one win at Kansas City, at Cleveland, or at Indy. So you can figure out, as you said, the games they should win and could win and the tougher games. And I think they're in a good spot, but nothing matters unless they beat Washington. Washington's traveling on a short week, Bill, and I'm real concerned because of their energy, the way they ball control, the way they keep the opponent's offense on the bench. What are you seeing with the Washington football team? Yeah, they're sneaky good, you know. Um, I At the beginning of the year, I kind of picked um, the Washington football team as a team that I thought would go deep into the NFC playoffs because the defense is so good. And, you know, they, they got a taste of the playoffs last year. You kind of look for those type of teams. <clears throat> Excuse me. Didn't really pan out early. It started, what, two and six. Defense was a huge disappointment. Now, all of a sudden, they got three straight wins. Defense is playing better. They got confidence in offense. The, the quarterback has confidence. They seem to be really playing for their coach. Saw video of the post-game yep. Monday night. And those are always rah-rah, but there is something there, you know. They're, they're, they're fired up. They're, they're not going to come into Allegiant Stadium scared. They're going to be a confident team. There's going to be two confident teams in very similar situations in different conferences, and I expect a really competitive game. Bill Williamson joins us. Da- Darren Waller not at practice today. Uh, you heard Basachi say week to week. You've been doing this as long as anybody I know covering this team. What does that mean? I mean, the type of injury they have, not to want to rush him back and further the injury, but it kind of is if you can get him to practice later in the week and get him ready and hope treatment works by Sunday, get him out there. Are you optimistic or not? Well, it's a unique description. I, I think that's because Pisachia is a pretty honest guy. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't BS. I don't know if a lot of coaches would use that term. On, on Monday, and, and then, uh, you know, it's interesting, he, he didn't discount that he could be ready on Sunday. So, But the fact that he's not there today on the first day of practice week and he's week-to-week lends you to think that it's starting to get a little bit of a long shot. Not that mm-hmm. it can't happen, but I would have liked to have seen him on the practice field today. Again, there's four days, but I, if I had a guess, I would expect it to be more relevant than... Uh, while having a shot to play at Kansas City. You know, Bill, it would have been great because it happens with a lot of teams now with short-term IR and the ability to come back. Wouldn't it be great if Incognito and Mullen and Morrow were back? I mean, look, I'm not a doctor or a trainer, but they've been gone a long time. 
and it didn't look like there was season-ending injuries initially or they'd have a chance to heal and come back. I think that's a big storyline that not a lot of people are, co- are covering closely. The fact that they were supposed to get guys back late in the season for a playoff push and they're not getting them back. Yeah, and again, I think that goes back to the uniqueness of the short-term IR. We're all getting used to it. You know, it's so new. And I think coaches can kind of – coaches don't like talking about injuries, right? So when a guy goes on the IR, he's always thinking he's going to be back this season. You assume that's the three weeks, but then it, it doesn't extend. So there's a mystery involved here. <laughs> Excuse me, Morrow and Incognito haven't played in the regular season. Mullen's been out since week four. So those are all three very long-term injuries. And, you know, the way it sounds is that Mullen's is closest to being ready. Um, that one week, is that two weeks, is that three weeks? Uh, it's probably in that window. And then the other two will wait and see. But mm-hmm. there's a chance of six games that they don't come back. But, yeah, I mean, any reinforcements at this point in the season will be um, – You'll be welcome. I don't know. If, I think Morrow's more of a backup now, though. Yeah, if, sure. If he comes back, yeah. Bill Williamson, B. Williamson, NFL, silverandblackpride.com. Bill, last one, you know, I know that Mike Mayock's getting criticism for one draft class that pretty much looks like a complete failure, and a lot of the issues with that class, you can't blame Mayock for what happened and how some of these players imploded, but it's on him. What about the job Mayock's done? signing free agents, and having other players who have who's drafted step up and be ready to play here the final weeks of this season? Yeah, it's been a mixed bag. You know, we, we all know the, the early round uh, misses. Um, but, you know, there's guys like Hobbs and certainly Matt yeah. Crosby who's really become an elite player at his position. So if you get an elite player at a premier position like that, a you know, a high dollar in free agency, position like that in the fourth round from a small school, that's a great hit, and that goes on his resume for sure. Um, free agency's been better this year. It's been mixed bag, um, you know, throughout the last year. So I, I don't know. I think it'll be interesting to see what Mark Davis does. I know it's, there's been reports that he's going to wait after the season on both, making a decision on both the GM and the head coach. I think that's a smart thing. You know, a lot of people are like, do it now, figure it out. No, just sit back. If these guys make the playoffs and, mm-hmm. and earn their, you know, their way back, they do. And if they don't, they don't. So I think it's a, it's a wise decision by Mark Davis, and we'll, we'll certainly see. Uh, but it's going to be an interesting – it's going to be interesting after, you know, the second week of January for sure. Thank you, Bill. Always a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for the time. All right, see you, man. All right, Bill Williamson, follow him. He's a great Raider content provider. No doubt about it. We love having him on the show here. We also love happening, billshappen.com. We really like referring people to these Raider fans that are helping you out at billshappen.com. If your credit cards are maxed out between Thanksgiving and Christmas and you want to be a part of the holiday, even if you have bad credit, they can get, up, get you up to $5,000 cash as early as tomorrow at billshappen.com. Bills happen.com it's a good first hour Brent Musburger, Bill Williamson this hour, Joe Theismann Jay Schrader we try to lead you to the upcoming opponent this is the Washington football team I think there should be some bitterness coming into this game because of the emails would you agree? I don't feel it on the radio yet and it's Wednesday, we're running out of time let's get rolling on Raider Nation Radio